This episode is brought to you by Major Spoilers VIP members. VIP stands for very important people, and their small monthly contributions ensure that this podcast remains free for all of you. If you would like to become a bronze, silver, or gold VIP member, go to members.majorspoilers.com for more information. I sure do thank you for your support. Now, here's your show. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and, of course, spoilers, and goes into detail about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items they're about to talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Zach. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, who killed Retro Girl? What's up with Wally West? Why is Batgirl controversial? Where is Red Sonia? When is the Ninth Doctor? Why can't we go home again? Which one is Rogue One? Who brought that rhinoceros on the bus? Answers to these and at least one or two more questions await you on this week's Major Spoilers Podcast. And it's on the air. Welcome to issue 616 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for sharing this with a friend. People have been asking for weeks, what are you guys going to be? You guys going to be talking about Marvel on your 616 episode? Kind of. We'll no, be talking, kinda. We're going to be talking powers later in the uh, episode. It's an uh, icon imprint over at Marvel. Creator owned. When these issues came out. Uh, was it independent at that time? Yeah, these came from Image. Oh, okay. Well, so there you go. No. Sorry. Ha <laughs> uh, Let's see. There is a new Star Wars coming out, Rogue One, in 2017, Zach. Yay. What do we know about it? Uh, we know that what was it? Garth Edwards will be directing it. Gareth, he, Gareth, Gareth Edwards. Yeah. yeah. Who, uh, Garth, Garth Edwards is Garth. that guy from Hee Haw? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he is the former director of the new Godzilla movie. Yep. And the awesome, way better monster movie yeah. called Monsters. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it is going to be starring Felicity Jones. Yes. And there is speculation afloat on the internet. Uh, I believe is from Variety, correct? Uh, variety and other places, yeah. Sure. That um, is going to be taking place early on, mm-hmm. before episode seven, at least is what they're uh, saying. Yeah, before episode four, episode four, yeah. and or even before. Could epi- be yeah. Leia's story. Could be correct? Leia's story. That sounds interesting. Of course, there's also some other speculation that it could be a uh, a um, Boba Fett story. But why would you call it Rogue One and then have Felicity Jones in it? So. Mm-hmm. Who's so, uh, she was most recently in that she was just um, in, uh, theory of everything. Theory she? of everything, yes. Yeah. I believe there was another more recent project she was in, but uh, I don't know the name of it. Most I'm just people are going to know her from Theory of Everything. Yeah, yeah. Oh wait, I do know her. She's nominated. That's a Stephen Hawking movie. Yeah, Theory of yeah, Everything. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like her. Yeah, she was also in uh, Amazing Spider-Man Two as Felicia. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Didn't get a chance to be the black cat, though. Nope, nope, nope. nope. But she might be uh, get a chance to play uh, Princess Leia in the upcoming movie. But that movie we won't see in theaters until uh, December sixteenth, two thousand sixteen. So that is a year from now. Mm -hmm. Uh, We get uh, Star Wars Episode Seven this Christmas. Yep. Then next Christmas we get uh, Rogue One, and then the following year in May, May twenty sixth, two thousand seventeen. We get uh, Star Wars Episode Eight, directed by Ryan Johnson. Yes, quick turnaround. That one is something I'm super looking forward to because Ryan Johnson 
would have been my pick to do episode seven. I think J.J. Abrams is a great way to start out the new stuff. Yeah. But I uh, really like Ryan Johnson, uh, what he's done on some of his uh, his work, and I'm super excited to see what he does. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting, and it looks like Disney is keeping up with their promise of releasing a Star Wars movies a year for the next uh, millennium. Forever. Yeah. yeah. 11 to bazillion yeah. years. Yeah. Any uh, thoughts there, Matthew? Not really. I mean, it's interesting to see that they might go back into the backstory before, you know, those, what is it, missing 18 years in between the second trilogy and the first trilogy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I always, I don't know. I'm not necessarily excited, nor am I depressed. I'm kind of like, oh, okay, those are dates. (laughs) I always like uh, the announcements from Disney because they come from their shareholders meeting, which is right. seems to be the opposite of every other company that's like, we have a lot of movies and we want you to know about them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're just like, hey, all the people that have invested in our company and will greatly benefit from all of this monetarily besides our, uh, like our fans aren't going to get any money. They're just going to yeah. be they're enthusiastic. You people are going to earn money. Let us tell you what we're going to do. And I think that was happen. the perfect time to do it as opposed to doing a big uh, uh, press conference and saying, hey, yeah. here's when the next movies are and here's what we've got lined up. At least when you're doing it with the investors, they feel like, oh, you are doing something with our money instead of making just billions for yourself. We're going to profit off this. Yeah. And you're letting us know ahead of time how we're going to profit. It's off really this. interesting. I mean, it's certainly the way, you know, it's like a giant conglomerate. And it's really interesting because Disney owns Marvel also, but we never hear any Marvel announcements when right, right, there's right, a, right. one of these weird uh, stockholder meetings. Yep, yep, yep. Is Wally West coming to The Flash? Well, Maybe. That's what uh, happened at Pally Fest or Paley Fest 2015 this past weekend. Greg Berlanti was up on stage with the entire cast. And the way uh, they talked about it, someone asked about Wally West appearing in the show. Uh, and Berlanti said, uh, that's our hope. And we've already been picked up for a second season. So I think we're going to do something with that. Uh, we would do if we we're going to do something with that. We're going to do it next season. Uh, with questions about whether this will be an African-American uh, uh, Flash, Wally West, it makes sense. Uh, Andrew Kreisberg, who is the executive producer of the show, said, what's very cool is in the New 52, they haven't reintroduced Wally yet. Uh, he said that because DC Entertainment Chief Creative Officer Jeff Johns was working on the show. When they reintroduced Wally, they made him African-American. So now and forever, Kid Flash will be African-American. Cool. I'm groovy with that. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, as long as they get him out of that silver suit, because that thing doesn't necessarily look flash at all. That looks more like I don't. Oh, know. I don't know where that came from. That was uh, some promotional image somewhere. That was. Well, he's actually appeared from... in the new Fifty Two. Oh yeah, okay. So he's wearing that costume in the new Fifty Two. Uh, I don't know. I didn't read the issue. Oh, okay. Um, uh, I, I, know I would imagine he is. I'm okay with it. I mean, uh, I mean, it makes sense that Iris and. Um, Joe are are African American, so if it's a cousin of uh, or a what is it? How did that work? Yeah, it would be a cousin of Iris. No, it'd be in the, the it'd comics, be, yeah, Wally it's an aunt. Was Iris's aunt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So still, you know that doesn't necessarily mean that she can't. He can't still be some kind of cousin. Yeah, as a cousin, a relation of some kind. Um, so I think that makes sense, and I'm okay with it. I don't have a problem with it. For that. heretofore seen, uh, unseen Big Brother. Yeah, that uh, has never been mentioned in the entire history of the show so far, and suddenly, well, and suddenly. How often, uh, but how often do you, I mean, Zach, how long was it? How many sisters do I have? We've been working together for three years now. Talking uh, for hours every week. How many sisters do I have? Three. How many brothers do I have? I don't think you have any. Ah, see? Ha-ha. 
Is that right? Yeah. Oh, cool. Both count. <laughs> uh, well, the interesting thing is we have seen flashbacks and we have, you know, they have talked about growing up together and all this stuff, but they've never mentioned cousin, cousin, uh, cousin, cousin Ralph. Yeah. Cousin Oliver <laughs> who lived, who's lived upstairs. Uh, so that would be the only interesting thing. I'm going to bet it's, uh, turns out to be a cousin. It's one of Joe's brothers or sisters, uh, who has a kid also named Wes. So it'd be a uh, brother. Who has a kid? Or maybe, an, a, you know, a sibling that we didn't know about from Joe's previous marriage. Mm, maybe. We'll see. Uh, apparently, the Pally uh, people have taken down the video that they produced and put on YouTube. But That's strange. Uh, yeah, that's really <laughs> weird. Uh, the video is no longer available due to a copyright claim by the Pally Center for Media, Did which they is put interesting. It up? They put it up. It was under their, uh, it was under their, their tag. So interesting. <laughs> Uh, then a bit of controversy popping up this uh, last week in regards to the variant cover to uh, Batgirl number 41. Um, the cover in question features the Joker dressed up like he is in um, The Killing Joke with uh, Barbara Gordon under his arm and him smearing a big red um, happy clown face on her on her lips and she just looks terribly horrified now this by itself is a very frightening cover but in the context of the way it is it's caused a bit of uh, controversy because of the nature of what happened in the killing joke off panel never mentioned never confirmed by dc comics about the off panel rape of uh, barbara gordon and of course the violence just the general violence of the joker shooting her in the spine and crippling her uh, for years and you're putting that in a as a variant cover for a Batgirl series that really is empowering to both the character and the readers. And a lot of people had a problem with that. I have a problem with that. Oh, I did too. I didn't even want to run the uh, image uh, originally on the site. Uh, So a lot of people went back and forth and I understand. I mean, uh, you know, you see this and it brings back bad memories and, and whatnot. And uh, uh, so it's pretty negative. And then Raphael Albuquerque, posted a statement or shared a statement with uh, comic book resources where he said, my Batgirl variant cover artwork was designed to pay homage to a comic that I really admire. And I know is a favorite of many um, readers. The killing joke is part of Batgirl's canon. And artistically, I couldn't avoid portraying the traumatic relationship between Barbara Gordon and the Joker. Mm -hmm. And then he goes on and talks a little bit more about uh, his intent, but then he wraps it up. My intention was never to hurt or upset anyone through my art. For that reason, I've recommended to DC that the variant cover be pulled. I'm credibly pleased that DC Comics is listening uh, to my concerns and will not be publishing the cover art in June as previously announced. DC went on to confirm that uh, um, and said that they were not going to be putting that um, out for print. Which is fine. I, mean, I think that's good for DC to step up and say, okay, yes, uh, we don't want anybody to be threatened. We don't want anybody to be harmed or upset by this, so we're not doing it. I guess my biggest problem is the cat's already out of the bag, right? I mean, well, people have seen this cover. It's freely available on the internet. It's never going away. Uh, you know, uh, Marvel didn't print the Milo Minara cover, but you just do a search Milo Minara Spider-Woman, and you're going to find that image. So... People who are fans and who visit sites like Comic Book Resources or Major Spoilers or any of the other sites out there who've been discussing this have probably already been exposed to this cover. And if it was going to cause harm to somebody, it's already done that damage because they've already seen the issue. Uh, And that's that's what I that's where I go for. You know, it's great that you're not going to print this, but a million more people have already seen the image than are would have bought the issue to, to begin with. I think that that may be overstating the case because, honestly, 
I would say that if you see this image on the Internet, there's a very good chance you went looking for it because you heard about it. Uh, maybe not, because if you're just you know going to your regular news sources, whether you're getting it on a news feed or just going to the site regardless, that mm-hmm. image is going to pop up front and center. It's mm-hmm. going to be something that you're going to recognize and see. And if it's on the social media like it was on Twitter and Facebook and other places, you right. see Batgirl 41, you're going to see that. It's, okay. it's somewhat unavoidable, I think, to to try to avoid it completely. Well, yeah, I don't necessarily think that was the point of not putting the cover on the book. I mean, there are much worse images that you can get if you oh, go into sure, Batgirl. Sure. I think that DC not putting it on the book and, you know, the creators of the book and the creator of the cover have said – it may be sending a message that we didn't intend oh, or that totally. we didn't want. Well, and Cameron Stewart said, uh, given that it wasn't approved by us and uh, contradicts the work we're doing, then yes, it totally does that. And I totally agree with that. And I think that when it comes to especially Batgirl, because the killing joke can be viewed as a serious misstep by DC in a lot of ways. So in some ways, it's a good story, but I think that it's not necessarily the best use of the character. And I think that a lot of what this Batgirl series is trying to do is empower that character and make her more meaningful as a young female hero right yeah having her crying with a man holding a gun eh, i I can definitely see where people would be bothered by it but i i also think that by pulling it they're at least making the indication that they're willing to try it and make a decision oh sure especially when both creative teams both albuquerque and uh, cameron and uh babs and um i forget who the other creators are in batgirl they were all supportive of it um, everybody's been very supportive of the decision, and I think that's that's all well and good. Problem is, though, again, it's not like the issue, the cover has not been seen by anyone. You know, the, it would be different. This goes back to a lot of questions that people are are asking is, you know, where's the communication going on in this? And as was pointed out by Cameron Stewart and Heidi McDonald over at The Beat, um, when it comes to variant covers, editorial is not – communicating with the creative team when they're hiring the creative artists and giving them that that go ahead to do that. And I think that's I think that's problematic. But I think also some good judgment was was uh, was not taken into account. But, um, you know, if this if someone had seen this issue prior to it being released out onto the Internet and all this discussion had gone on behind the scenes, that would have been the better way to deal with the situation. Does that make sense? As yeah, opposed to waiting for the internet backlash and then to go, oh, well, we didn't know. We, we, I mean, we keep bumping up against the question of whether someone is going to be harmed by it. And True. I think that if we look at the question of would they be harmed by finding this image, perhaps. Definitely it has things that uh, I think the kids refer to them as trigger warnings. Um, but more importantly, would that harm potential or real be greater if it were attached to an issue of the Batgirl of Burnside. And I would say possibly yes. I mean, if there is the potential for someone to be emotionally or psychologically hurt by this cover, it's going to be much worse if it's on the book that they're reading. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. No, rather than them hearing about it and, you know, having to see it yeah, pop yeah, no. up in their Tumblr and on, on uh, major spoilers. Dr. No, 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 Check I agree. It out. It's a great I think the positive thing of DC taking it, the not selling the book is that they are well, they're not, not going to sell they're the book. Not, they're, sell the, they're not going to uh, publish right. the cover. Well, the, yeah, but there are people who would have spent money on this thing for this art by this specific artist for right. this homage to this right. very popular thing. And so that is 
I mean, they are f- essentially probably forfeiting some money. They're saying we're not going to benefit sure, from this image, sure, sure. from I mean, this specific image. We're not going to we're not going to collect money from. When you were working in comic book stores, Matthew, um, what was the what was the um, demand for variant covers? And I know yours was a smaller store. Variants are weird because you'll have people who say, I want all variant covers. Mm-hmm. And there were times, you know, when we put together our poll list, we would actually have a list of reads Batman, reads Batman wants all variant covers. But the thing about variants is they they kind of came into vogue in the 90s and then they went away mostly for a while. So they've started creeping back in in the last five or six years. And as you see them, the demand for the variants is there. But in a lot of cases, what you end up seeing are highly elevated prices. Like, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. An, uh, amazing, not an amazing, astonishing X-Men number one. There's a variant of that that was available to people like one in 100. Right, so every right. 100 books, one of these covers. By the time that book came out, that issue, that variant cover was selling for like 100 bucks a pop on eBay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that demand doesn't stay there. Well, and I, th- I think my I think part of my concern with variants and, and this is not really related to this particular cover story topic idea. I guess mm-hmm. my problem is most of the time comics are not returnable. Right. So what they're doing is if the store really wants to get that super rare variant, they have to buy 500 issues. Uh, yep. Or in the case of Orphan Black, which was the number one seller for um, all of February, when Orphan Black came out in like the third or fourth week of February, mm-hmm. um, there were eight different variant covers and people wanted that, which means – and I don't know what the ratio of those covers were, uh, but 500,000 or nearly 500,000 copies of that book were sold right. so that people could get those variant covers, which means in the next six months – you're probably going to find a lot of of Orphan Black number one comics in the back issue bins. And the same way with Star Wars, the same. It doesn't matter when you have all these rare variants. Somebody's going to have to buy a bunch of stuff that they can't return back to the publisher and say, well, we didn't sell these things. So it's kind of a – I don't know. It seems at times a very gimmicky ploy Mm -hmm. to extort money from comic book shop owners. Well, and I mean, there is an upside. We had a bunch of variants come through where someone had bought the first 16 or 20 issues of Grim Fairy Tales, Mm -hmm. all the variant covers. And there's like issue 25, which has a variant and then a negative variant and then like a a variant of her in a sexy costume and then a sexier costume and then a topless version of the same costume. Mm -hmm. And when you break it down, that least, you know, that least available variant ended up selling for $25, $35. Right. So that did offsets that, the cost. But did that, did that 10, offset the cost bucks. of all the other covers that you had to buy? I it, It's kind of a, a waiting game. It's a balancing game. In that case, yes, because that particular set of books sold for a really, really high price. But the, that's, again, the thing is a lot of times the retailers get into that that shell game. When mm-hmm. Red Sonia came out from IDW with all the variant comics around 2006 and seven, we were ordering 25, 50, 75 copies to get as many variants as we could. Mm-hmm. But the variants would sell, and then we'd still have all those. Copies. Yeah, and that's and that's that's you what I'm talking about. Either the sale, so yeah, I, it it it's a case by case thing. Sometimes you come out way on top. So you said Matthew that the uh, variants went away in the 90s. Why was that? I wonder. Because the market was choked to death with them. There was a point where Marvel would do uh, a regular cover, a regular foil cover, 
a variant cover and, and, and a, a variant foil cover. Yeah, a chromium <laughs> cover. Well, and the thing was that it was putting comic book shops out of business. Uh, from doing that, uh, sales on Marvel comics fell to an all-time low. I mean, and it wasn't just Marvel. I mean, DC, Wildstorm, Image, all these oh, comics were, were doing them. Image in particular. Um, the Gen 13 had the 13 different variants for the first issue. For, yeah, and then issue 13 had like 26. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's uh, – I, I don't know. It, variants, I, I, I do enjoy a variant because the, um, the Darwin Cook variants that DC did – was it this last month? I forget which month it was. I really got all, as many of the variants as I could. The DC movie poster month. I'm getting as many of those variants yeah. as I can. Um, the Joker month. I'll be honest. I've seen all the covers. I could care less about the Joker covers. Um, when DC did that uh, way back in the 90s, they did the uh, variant covers where it just had the giant heads on them. Mm-hmm. I tried to buy as many of those as I could because I thought those were neat. But the Joker... Just as not somebody that I, um, I mean, it's a, it's an interesting villain, but it's mm-hmm. not somebody that I want to rush out and buy all the variant covers with. And I agree with Albuquerque that this cover is horrifying, that it's very scary. Uh, but I also agree with all the people that are complaining about it. And I am glad that, that DC decided not to, to run with the cover in the uh, final print run. You can head over to Majorspoilers.com for uh, a full story on that and some more of my reactions, as well as some great comments from the people in the uh, the comment section. And you can share your thoughts about uh, this story as well. I don't know. It seems to be, you know, unfortunately, there seems to be a lot of hate online, mm-hmm. not just regarding this, but a lot of things that that bother me. And part of me wants to say mm-hmm. part of me wants to say that, you know, it's the Internet, mm-hmm. but. I also realize that the the, the hate and, and some of it is is super legitimate and, you know, none of that should happen. Right. But I also try to keep in mind that these are often a vocal minority, a vocal minority sometimes of, of jerks and, and whatever other words I don't want to use. Right. Um, but there's I've also a, a very uh, a, a very large silent majority of people who like what someone is doing with their work. You know, there's probably a huge fan base of people who are over the moon uh, of stuff that Mark Wade does or that Gail Simone does or Brian Michael Bendis or, you know, even stuff that we do that never come out and say, hey, you guys are doing a great job or keep up the good work or I really enjoyed this. But right. it's very easy for a vo- very vocal minority to pop up and just criticize and harass and threaten somebody to the yeah. point where they they are very much demeaned in their – in their life, in their daily activities. And I really am not a fan of that. And over the next couple of days, you're going to see a big story erupt on online about uh, harassment uh, in the comic industry, uh, especially regarding um, um, a a current writer that Marvel has hired for the X-Men. So you'll be able to look that up. And it's not like, it's not like we're telling tales outside of class. The person who was doing the harassment has stepped forward and said, yes, I have done that. Uh, it's Chris Sims um, who stepped forward and, and has said that. And it's you go back and read some of those posts and it's like, yeah, man, that's totally not appropriate. I mean, you can criticize somebody without demeaning without personally them, attacking without them. personally attacking them. And so I'm hoping maybe and I know we have some of the best listeners in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say 99 percent of everyone who listens to everything that we do and reads everything that we do are super positive, inclusive people. And I'm going to ask that you guys, over the next two weeks, 
from now until the end of March, do one positive thing in social media each and every day, whether it's telling a creator that you like their work or whether you are notifying someone if they're doing something that's not appropriate. And you don't have to be a, you don't have to make a big deal out of it. Um, but uh, maybe use your social media outlet for good over the next two weeks and be a positive reinforcement and uh, help drown out some of those uh, negative peoples out there. Does that sound like a good idea? I, I think so, because you get in the center of that, that Venn diagram of an audience and anonymity. Yes. And people's expectations that they're talking to or about another human being disappear. Um, so, so let's be more positive. And our social media messages over the next couple of weeks. April 1st, go nuts. Be mean to people. I don't care. No, just just (laughs) kidding. Just kidding. April 1st is my 20th wedding anniversary. You will be nice. Oh, no. That's the day where we're really going to be mean to you. Um, But no, next two weeks, let's be nice. you like to call it a day that ends in Y. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But let's be nice to everybody in social media over the next couple of weeks. See if we can can make a change uh, that way. You can follow more news and stories and interesting things over at Majorspoilers.com. Uh, that's where we hang out. You can also follow us at Major Spoilers on Twitter. That is the official Major Spoilers feed. Uh, we've got a lot of other things that go on, including a bunch of other podcasts. Zach, what's your favorite Major Spoilers podcast? My favorite? Yes. My favorite one? Yes. Uh, probably the one that I do. Which is Zach what? on Film. Zach on Film. I like what's Zach that about? on Film a lot. It's just about movies and film culture now. We used to talk about old films, but now yeah. we talk about current happenings around uh, in industry and films cool all good stuff cool and matthew what is your favorite major spoilers podcast i have always loved top five because i like i like the randomness of it i like the fact that we get first of all you you get into each other's heads a little bit and i find out things about you guys and about rodrigo and even rob that i never ever suspected Mm -hmm. but it's it's always a different show yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you come into the MSP, you come in for something specific. You come in for the cool news and the reviews and all that stuff, and that's wonderful, and I love the show. But with Top 5, even I don't know what I'm going to say half the time. And I think that makes for a really weird and really varied experience. I especially – someone actually told me today that she loves it when we do So Bad It's Good episodes of Top 5 mm-hmm. where we're like, music's that's so terrible or we just did movies that's so bad they're good. She's like, that's where you really shine, you freaking weirdo. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. I, I really kind of like that. I, uh, of course, I really like the Major Spoilers podcast. You can find all these shows in the Major Spoilers podcast network. You can find the master feed over at iTunes or through your RSS feed, or you can find each of the individual shows that we've mentioned over on uh, iTunes, your RSS feed, or I don't know, where, <laughs> where, wherever we are. We're in a bunch of different places. <laughs> And uh, we may show up in a few more places in the near future. So keep the eye, look out for that. Now, we do have some other shows that we produce that are not available to the general public, but are only available to our Major Spoilers VIPs. And that's where one of my favorite heck? Major Spoilers podcasts comes from. It's called Feedback. It's a, a fan <laughs> p- podcast based on the uh, CW series The Flash. And uh, after every new episode, a day or so after, depending on recording uh, schedules and lineups and everything, Matthew and I sit down and we record an extended. Sometimes it's as long as the uh, freaking episode, sometimes <laughs> know, longer, right? where we go into detail about all the about <laughs> yeah about all the little things that you may have missed uh, in the uh, in the episode. And I've seen an extended trailer for the rest of the season, and holy cow, there's going to be a lot to talk about. Heck, I could do an hour just on a three minute trailer that I saw uh, this past weekend. <laughs> 
but you can find that over at the uh, Major Spoilers VIP site. That's members.majorspoilers.com. How do you get access to that to that podcast and to uh, original artwork and behind the scenes look at at how shows are put together and uh, oh, other I things? Know, I know how. Mr. Cutter, I know. I, oh, pick me. Yes, I said how. Oh, okay. You become a major spoilers VIP and revel in your VIP status. <laughs> Zach, is it expensive to become a major spoilers VIP? Uh, no, it is not expensive at all to be a major spoilers VIP. It is only $2 a month at the lowest, and then $5 a month if you want to get some more content, and then only $10 a month to be one of the gold members. I uh, was doing some research and discovered that on an average week, people are spending over $20 in coffee. Wow. And seems, we are delivering right. over 10 hours of content, original content to you each and every week. And that's more than a movie that you might yep. go to in a week. And well, so, it depends. Is it a Peter Jackson movie? <laughs> well, but I mean, you know, even then, even if you're going to one or two movies a week, but, or even one movie a week, you're going to probably spend about 20 bucks just to get into the movie theater, your snacks and all of that thing. And if you're going with other people, it adds up very quickly for just uh, $5 a month. You can get everything major spoilers related and ensure that we are able to do shows like the major spoilers podcast and keep it free going on. And I do want to thank everybody who is a major spoilers VIP who made this show possible and is making it free to you, the listener around the world. Uh, again, you can find out more at members.majorspoilers.com and let us get to some reviews. Reviews. So this week I took a look at Legendary. It's the uh, steampunk world created by uh, Bill Willingham. It's being published by uh, Dynamite Entertainment. I looked at Legendary Red Sonja number two. Now I did the initial review over at Majorspoilers.com. And uh, this picks right up from there. Uh, Lady Frankenstein and Red Sonja are teaming up to take down Victor Frankenstein, who has created an army of Frankensteins. Actually, Frankenstein yes, 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 I scientist. Know. I the person correcting you and the real monster. Yes, you are. Uh, so <laughs> this is somewhat interesting in that they're trying to figure out how Victor Frankenstein is getting around and kidnapping scientists and they figure out that he's got to be going by some boat. So they all hop into Red Sonja's boat and they head out to sea when they are attacked by Space Monkeys. Thulu. No, not, uh, not, not Space it. Monkeys. But if you are thinking about... But if you're thinking about uh, literature and you're thinking about classic literature and people that attack in the sea, you might be thinking about Nemo. Captain Nemo makes an appearance in this uh, piece. Oh. I'm still somewhat... Well, the Legendary series feels very much like that because in Legendary, you've got like Red Sonja and Doc Savage and Green Hornet and all these people in their uh, the shadow, all in their steampunky versions. And so, yes, there are some other literary figures that have popped up and will continue to pop up in in future books Um, like John Carter of Mars will show up or Dejah Thoris might show up. Um, I think the story and the idea behind the story is really good. This is written by Mark and Draco. Um, the dialogue is okay, but it seems odd in places like, uh, when the ship attacks Red Sonia's ship, when it's, uh, breaking the ship apart, you know, two guys are falling into the ocean and Red Sonia's like, oh, those were good men, you know, and it's like, okay, it seems a little out of place, I, I guess. Um, it, but if you think about this in the pulpy nature in which a lot of these characters were created now, not Victor Frankenstein or Lady Frankenstein or anything like that, um, I I'm okay with some of the 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 scenery chewing and over the top acting so to speak that goes on in the pages. Um 
so it's it's fair more than fair i guess from the from the storytelling standpoint i mean it's good um but it's nothing that is going to win an award i don't think mm. uh the art is okay too uh the characters are not drawn all sexy sexy i mean uh, red sonia does have a chainmail top but she's wearing a leather jacket over the top of that so yes. it kind of keeps everything uh uh modest for the uh victorian era steampunk world that this <laughs> is uh, Overall, I you know I don't want to give the the huge shocking reveal, uh, but uh, Red Sonia, Legendary Red Sonia number two was good. It was enjoyable. I will continue to read the series. I will continue to pick it up. Um, I, I like this solicitation from Dynamite. And if you thought last issue ended with a WTF, well, you ain't seen nothing yet. And that's kind of <laughs> that's kind of what happens here. And um, and so I think it, I think it's a good issue. It's well above average. I'm giving it three and a half slices of meatloaf out of five. Um, go check it out. And especially if you're a fan of Red Sonia, if you're a fan of the, the steampunk world, this is something you're going to want to pick up. Arrives in stores this week. Matthew, what Hello. are you reading this week? Well, I am reading a book that comes out in the future. Ooh. Yes. Titan Comics, Doctor Who, colon, The Ninth Doctor, number one. Which, sadly, is actually number one of five, which makes me sad. But we'll get to that in a moment. For those of you who remember the Ninth Doctor, he was the one that kicked off the new Doctor Who series in 2005. Christopher Eccleston, with his North Country accent and his fantastic and his pretty, pretty blonde sidekick. Um, interestingly, this story picks up at a point that we know exactly where it takes place. A lot of times with a Doctor Who comic or, you know, kind of extra canonical not that there's such thing away from the show thing we'll just pick up somewhere in a lacuna in the doctor's history this picks up immediately after the episode the doctor dances which is the scary one with the how you my mummy where they meet captain jack harkness right Yeah, yeah 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 captain jack rose and the doctor are on their way to a mysterious planet right and the first thing you see is a what would be the equivalent of a pullout, a series of panels that looks like a camera pulling out from the face of Christopher Eccleston. And it looks really good. And I think the reason it took so long to get this book was they had to find someone who could draw Christopher Eccleston because the man has a very striking face and a very unusual profile. But this book looks really great. Rose looks like Rose. The doctor looks like the doctor. Uh, Captain Jack kind of looks a little bit maybe photo referenced in some cases. But again, John Barrowman's a handsome man. What are you going to do? You go with life. The Doctor and Rose and Jack show up at a mysterious planet. And anytime the Doctor wants to take you somewhere, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, just run. Tell him him run. Oh, yeah, they run. There's some running. They end up and instead of the uh, wonderful planet that he thought they were going to, they end up in the midst of an interstellar war. And both sides decide that they want to kill him, presuming that he works for the other side. Mm. Uh, there's some fighty-fighty and some runny-runny and something that is clearly uh, a, sort of a, a space unicorn hybrid thing. What do they call it when you have the body of a man and the body of a horse? Centaur. Centaur. Space centaurs. And there's some running and some running, and there's some really great shots of... Uh, Christopher Eccleston's doctor trying to figure things out and looking really awesome. It's a good book. It's a fun time. Um, When you get to the end, of course, the one thing 
that will set the ninth doctor into action more than anything else happens. Rose is in danger. Rose has been captured and or lost in space, time, and dimension. And now the doctor is highly ticked off. But it's a good book. And I have to say that I've been reading both the 10th and the 11th doctors. And I picked up the first issue of the 12th doctor. I think it's wonderful that Titan is giving us the option to read comic adaptations of the Doctor of Our Choice. I think that BBC, and specifically the guy who wrote it, I don't remember if it was Moffat or the other dude who wrote The Ninth Doctor, wrote that one season really tight intentionally so there wouldn't be any holes to write a whole bunch of stories that could have happened with his Doctor and Rose. Yeah. I mean, that Doctor is intentionally meant to have lived a very short time. He did that one season... And then regenerated because of, I don't know, the rage in his heart or something. And I like that concept as much as I hate that concept. Because the best Doctor stories to me are the ones that may or may not have actually quote-unquote happened. I love the Sixth Doctor radio plays where the Sixth Doctor has all the adventures that nobody got to see on TV because they fired him. Three and a half slices of meatloaf for the Ninth Doctor, number one. I wish it was an ongoing. I know why it's not. Why is it? And I think that... It's, it's not because they don't have a lot of places they can insert stories. A lot of those Ninth Doctor stories go one to another to another and continue. There's no missing time. Um, we see him was the there missing, of that first episode. Was there missing time between the number eight movie and, this, uh, and the first episode of Nine's appearance? Oh, yeah. There was a lot of time. But remember, there was also the War Doctor in that space. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We saw the War Doctor regenerate. We saw in the first issue or the first episode of uh, the new series, the ninth doctor looking in a mirror seemingly for the first time, Mm. pointing at his ears and going, I've had worse or something of that look. Yeah. So there isn't a whole lot of lost time when he would be traveling with Rose and certainly not with Rose and Jack. So Mm -hmm. I can see why they're not going to do an ongoing. It's a shame. They but could, hopefully they this could do, means that eventually we'll get all the doctors. They they could do a series of miniseries. They could. Yeah. And I'd be I'd be happy to buy a six issue miniseries of the sixth doctor and Perry. Yep. You know, I think they should have twelve monthly Doctor Who titles. Just flood the market. Well, so the other thing too uh, uh, that I'm thinking about this is maybe because this is the very first ninth Doctor series that Titan Comics has done, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And I think they may want to see how it does because there's a lot of people who Eccleston is not maybe their favorite uh, who, uh, their favorite doctor. And uh, my son and I went to Planet Comic Con this weekend, and there was a lot of Doctor Who stuff there, which was really cool. And a lot of people dressed up as their favorite doctor, which was cool. But who did we get? We got Tom Baker, mm-hmm. Matt Smith, mm-hmm. David Tennant, and that's it. Those were the doctors that were represented. Boo. Uh, yeah, to an extent, yeah, boo. But I mean, it really shows boo. that people were really attached to Tennant and Smith in the in this current run, and then oh, yeah. the old schoolers are all uh, Tom Baker, uh, where they go that way. Boo. So, uh, I think that this may be just a test to see how well uh, audiences respond, readers respond, and it wouldn't surprise me if in six months we hear about a new Ninth Doctor ongoing series. Well, you know, one of the greatest moments in my life was at Nerdtacular, meeting oh, the yeah, yeah. Fifth Doctor Rule mm-hmm. 63 cosplayer, mm-hmm. who was so great. Her costume was perfect. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm so glad you picked the right Doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was awesome. Yep. All right. So uh, Ninth Doctor is not out until April 1st. So be on the lookout for that. 
uh, when it uh, arrives in in America. Zach, we can never go home. Number one, a brand new no, uh, story for you. We cannot go home. Why not? Uh, I want to go home because we have super awesome powers, and we might have killed some people. Oh no! Oh, no. Uh, this is we can never go home. Number one from Black Mask mm-hmm. Publishing, a company I am not familiar with a at small all. Publisher. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I saw this. I picked it up. And I'm pretty happy I did. This follows the story of Maddie and Duncan, two high schoolers who meet each other through a through a, a a night where Maddie is out with her boyfriend. He's getting all touchy feely on her. They're out like to make out point, you know, just doing mm, some high school yeah, stuff. I know how high schoolers are? Uh, Duncan is out there who we uh, yeah uh he that's how we open the comic duncan is doing some target practice with a pistol okay uh you know that will will high schoolers should not be doing that unsupervised yeah throws this thing in the back of his pants as these people pull up he goes in as one uh maybe so one socially inept uh, high school or just any high schooler probably would do in general is to go see hey who are those uh, classmates of mine making out over there on Lookout Point? Mm-hmm. Uh, drunk, big football player man gets upset, and he's about ready to fight Duncan. Duncan's about ready to pull out his pistol and mm. yeah, yeah. But how's that again? What? Oh, okay. it's, it's got a silencer that sounds like a duck on it. <laughs> and uh, Howard the Duck silencer. Yes. Yeah, you can pick it up today, Amazon. Uh, you can, uh, no, Maddie comes out of nowhere, her eyes are all flashing blue, yeah. picks this dude up, throws him through both windows of the truck out wow. the other side. Out the other side. Uh, thus starting a relationship of secrets between Maddie and Duncan. Uh, a lot of the issue takes place in these first moments of them as they have to walk back to town as a beat up boyfriend says, I'll tell people about this, and he drives away. So they start building this weird... You haven't seen the last of me! <laughs> yes, I'll see you in fourth period! <laughs> uh, I'll tell everyone. And um, they walk back to town, they're trying to, they're starting to build this weird relationship of Maddie's like, you cannot tell anyone, and he's like, you could go, you could get out of here. Yeah. You could, you could do anything. You... Yeah, you're, uh, you're, you're obviously 18 years old. Well, no, uh, but... You have these powers. You could get out of here. You could be doing anything. You could be... She's like, what? Saving humanity? Mm-hmm. That's not what I want to do. Like, uh, She's like, I've built something before me that's not based on these weird powers I don't want to control. Like, I'm smart. I've yeah, got the yeah. grades. Yeah. I've been a good person. I have like a full ride scholarship to a university or something. I can right. get out on my own. Uh, so she, a, he's, he's like, mm, okay. That's I guess, that, I guess that makes sense. Story, yeah. I guess that makes sense. Um, and then they keep building and building this relationship and eventually they get to her house and she's like... Hey, you're really not going to tell anyone, right? He's like, no, uh, I'll tell you my secret. Also, I also have powers. Bum bum bum. She says, well, what do you? What? What's your power? What can you do? Uh, apparently, Duncan can kill people with his mind if he concentrates enough. Hmm. And she said, yeah. How do I know you're telling the truth? Who did you kill? He killed his mom. Oh, no. Whoa. That's horrible. Big info drop right in the middle of the issue. Yeah, horrible. That's the middle of the issue. That's not the cliffhanger. No, no, no. That's the middle of the issue. Oh, my goodness. Uh, More death and destruction follow. I will not. This is not a one shot, right? No, no, no. no, no. This is a a series. Okay. Uh, It ends 
in a way where both can never return home, much like the title states. Uh, you'll have to read the issue to find out what just happens. Wow. Uh, so the rest of the issue takes place mostly in the high school, which I really enjoyed, besides the fact that they really uh, set Maddie up as a character who is not going to be defined by what you would generally think, mm-hmm. like, teenage superhero <laughs> person. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's just a lot of just things she says that's just, like, kind of one-off. It's like, oh, no, you're pretty awesome. You're you're super cool. Uh, but I think they really nailed in this issue is the way high schoolers talk around each other and then, like, behind each other's backs. I'm... Out of everyone on this show, I'm the closest to have been in high school recently. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I was just in a high school yesterday. Well, you should. Uh, well, now oh, that you have that yeah. restraining order, yeah. Zach becomes the. <laughs> I'll be in there next. Um, so the way they talk just seems right. It doesn't seem forced. I'm not. I'm, I don't think this is written by a high schooler, but it just seems like they maybe have a high schooler of their own. I've been some time, but the dialogue seems on point. Because, you know, there's always these high school cliches of cliques and stuff. Yeah. And there's a reason there are, because that's pretty much what high school is. Mm-hmm. And um, But they don't go to an extreme, I feel like, in just putting everyone in these, like, tiny boxes. Especially, like, uh, Maddie's friends, who you think are just going to be, uh, like, the the blonde uh, chicks from Mean right, Girl. Right, right, But there's some variations in their characters which are uh, uh, very nice to see so i was really surprised about this issue uh you know you kind of kind of rolled the dice to take a gamble with a smaller publisher most of the time you don't mm-hmm. really know what you're gonna get mm-hmm. uh because they're not stuck on a line like dc and marvel where you pretty much know what you're gonna get generally yeah yeah um but i really enjoyed this issue and i'm totally coming back to it next time and i think if you guys want a non- traditional like big publisher read this week i would highly suggest this issue i'm going to give it three and a half slices of meatloaf it's excellent a good starting issue yeah well, thank you for that zach thank you matthew and uh, listeners you can find more reviews over at majorspoilers.com we try to cover as many as we can with convergence coming up uh we have plans to try to cover every single convergence issue as it arrives so uh, be on the lookout for that we did that with the new 52 we're going to do it again because we know that you love comics and we do too and uh, why don't we get to the uh, major spoilers poll of the week? Oh, look. Hey, there's Rodrigo Lopez. Hey, guys. What? Yep. Rodrigo's Whoa. stepping in here. What's going Stop on, dude? sneaking up on us, dude. That's freaky. Sorry. So um, many, 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 many years ago. <laughs> <laughs> You're 43, dude. I know. This, is, this is like You're 15 43. years ago. So like 15 years ago. I uh, came to this conclusion that, man, I don't like to eat Doritos. I don't like to eat the cheesy poof type snacks. I don't like to eat those powder cheese things mm-hmm, and, or anything mm-hmm. that has some kind of powder on it. Um, I don't like to eat that while I am doing other things or just really in general, because if, even if I'm watching TV and I look down at my hands, I've got yellow stains all over my hands uh, or orange stains all over my hands. I've got to go and wash that off, or I've got to go uh, try to clean it up, or I can't read a, a book while I'm uh, while I'm eating these snacks. I can't work on my my keyboard while I'm eating these kinds of snacks because you look down and suddenly you've got Doritos that are creeping their way under your keyboard and trying to clean out a keyboard by disassembling it is no fun. No, it's not. So uh, I had heard about a lot of people who. I heard it from friends, people I was seeing at the time, girls I was seeing at the time, about eating your snacks like that with chopsticks. 
And I said, okay. well, that's kind of clever because you don't have to actually touch the product. You just pick it up, pop it in your mouth, and you're ready for the next one. And if you're good enough, you can do it without looking, just like reaching into the bowl with your hands. And I can do that and just grab one and pop it in my mouth. And, and away I go. And I don't have to worry about stuff getting everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't eat a lot of the, the cheesy poof type snacks. But <laughs> like last week. Uh, my wife had bought a container of it because the kids were dying for them. They were screaming for them. So I poured myself a little bowl and I pulled out a pair of chopsticks and I started eating with it. My wife's like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> I was like, what? Don't you eat yours like this, this too? Doesn't everybody eat their, eat their snacks like this? And apparently the big answer is no. No. So you, do you eat your cheesy proof poofs with the uh, chopsticks, uh, Zach? Uh, no, I never have, but. I'll tell you what, I love eating with chopsticks. I figured out how to use them a couple years ago, yeah. and I got pretty decent at using them, and I like eating with them with chopsticks, so it sounds like a fun game to play. I mean, if you want practice with uh, learning how to yeah. master chopsticks, you can certainly do that. And you could, yeah, you can do trick shots of trying to fling it out of a chopstick into your air like normal. I don't know I about think there's that. a lot of advantages to eating with chopsticks, I just never have. Matthew? Uh, there's two reasons why I don't. One, I just go and wash my hands afterwards and two yeah but I, then you know you're it's at night you got to turn on the light switch now the light switch is orange you got to turn on the, the faucet now the faucet is orange the great thing about what eating is going on in your house that you're with, eating cheetos have you not dark? have yeah. you not well i mean if i'm gonna usually if i'm gonna eat a junk snack food like this it's usually when i'm watching a movie and that usually right. happens at night with the lights off in the home theater and then so you've got that stuff all over your hands, so it glows in the dark, which is a plus. But then when you have to turn on the light switch or wash your hands, you've got to touch things. Mm-hmm. And when you've got little kids, I'm going to try to get my kids trained on using the chopsticks to do this because I will say as they get up from the table, go wash your hands. Do not touch the wall. And yet there's a big <laughs> orange streak down the wall yeah. from these guys. So the, the benefit of eating these with your hands and getting them all over, I think if you're going to eat them with your hands, you get them all the way up to your elbows in orange. Yep. And then you pretend you just ate a lot of carrots and the doesn't pigment work, of your like skin that. is changing. Rodrigo, ever do this? I just uh, pretend I'm an oopaloop. I have not. Um, I have not done this. Uh, there's this uh, this lady uh, where I work um, who eats Cheetos with a fork precisely for that reason. She eats oh, yeah, yeah. the, uh, yeah. the puffy Cheetos mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and she eats them with a fork and Everybody makes fun of her relentlessly for it. So I can only imagine what would happen to me <laughs> if I showed up and I pulled out my chopsticks and I was like eating Cheetos with them. I would never hear the end of it. You guys could start Big a fancy utensil them. club at work, though. We could. Go. We actually, you know, <laughs> I, I work for a PBS station. So um, we uh, we actually, uh, when she pulls that, when she pulls out that uh, fork, we call her the Contessa de Joaquini. <laughs> <laughs> I, I figured that when I asked this question, and I, you know, if people want to make fun of me, that's fine. I don't care. Um, Good, <laughs> but but I figured I would be in the minority. But I just need to know: are there other people who do this, or is this just some weird thing that someone told me once that made sense? And ever since then, I've done it, and it just seems very natural to me. When my mom was like, "Oh, it's got to take an incredibly long time to eat uh, a bo- you know eat those things," I'm like, "No, I can just like prom 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 prom. I mean, literally yeah. one a second if I want." Um, you get fast with those things, yeah. Yeah, you do, and it's just really easy. Just go in, grab it, pop it in. Next one, pop it in, and go. And uh, I, I don't have to clean up crumbs. I don't have to uh, clean up my hands. I don't have to worry about orange stains on the wall that are my fault. Um, 
So I don't know. I feel like if do I you did... ever do you ever is there any food that you eat that you eat it in a way that other people would look at you as that's weird? Um, I eat peanut butter and uh, picante like salsa. Is that weird? You mix peanut butter and picante together. I'm I make not talking about weird salsa sandwiches. I'm not talking about weird food combinations. I'm talking about I eating eat it. a sandwich. <laughs> no, uh, I have been known to, um, you know how you get those little things of hummus mm-hmm. that come with the crackers uh, mm-hmm. and you run out of crackers? What I also have is I have the little cheese bites and I'll eat hummus on cheddar cheese to, as my delivery mechanism rather than using a cracker. I am, I am known <laughs> for eating uh, peanut butter off my fingers. Constantly. I think a lot of people do that. My well, dad, that's my, the only my, thing I can think of. My dad does that. He's about ready to turn 70. So. Peanut butter fingers. Yes. Rodrigo? Um, that other people don't do. There was, a, there was a great episode of Seinfeld where um, somebody was eating a Snickers bar with a, a fork, fork and a knife. knife. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I... Not, I don't. I don't think the stuff that I do is terribly weird. But it's not terribly weird to me. Like I eat a lot of stuff with tortillas as utensils. Sure, sure. But that's a Mexican thing. Like a lot of Mexicans do that. Yeah, Even yeah. you know stuff that you wouldn't necessarily. Yeah, you use it do. as you grab the item, dip it in. If, and yeah, yeah. If you're uh, if you're eating something that already has some sort of bread with it, then you just use that. But mm-hmm, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's like if I eat like chicken or something. Just grab a bunch of tortillas and eat it with that. Yeah. yeah. Um. I guess maybe like I've also done like ego waffles and stuff like that. Oh, like yeah, if yeah. I'm like, well, I'm eating something sweet. And I don't want to like get out a spoon or something. I'm just going to use a waffle. Yeah. 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 Uh, so I, I kind of figured that the uh, response this week <laughs> would be overwhelmingly no. But there is a bright light at the end of that tunnel, Matthew. <laughs> I wouldn't call it bright. You are not alone. It's a very long tunnel. <laughs> there are six other people. Uh, right now, 11% of the voters, I'm showing 65 voters, say yes. Yeah. They have eaten chopsticks that or use the chopsticks rather than eat cheesy snacks. Cheesy puffs. Can I kill them? My cheesy puffs. 89% saying no. And I think part of that is the fact that the only time I ever have chopsticks in the house is after Widget and I have gone to the local uh sushi place and had the octopus salad and you can't reuse a chopstick like that once it's been in the octopus yeah, yeah. salad. Now we got years ago bought a bunch of uh, Star Wars lightsaber chopsticks oh, cool. that are pretty cool. They're reusable. You just wash them down. And of course we have a nice set of chopsticks for uh, when we're eating something at home anyway. Right. The good chopsticks. Yeah, the good chopsticks and the everyday uh, chopsticks. And I love using the lightsaber ones because they're really long. They're, you know, most of the time the ones you get at the uh, fast food restaurant are between like seven and 10 inches. The ones we have are like between 12 and 13 inches. So you can really get a big yeah. bowl of uh, cheesy poofs and really get down. I can't deep. wait till they, they make the chopsticks based off that new lightsaber design. Those will be fun. To yeah. 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 The others, yeah. Basically it's a fork. <laughs> make them a kebab. Yeah, just flip it upside down. Meat in the middle, veggies on the left. So uh, here's, here's my next challenge then. I said be nice on social media for the next two weeks. I want you guys to try eating cheesy poofs with chopsticks sometime want, in the future. I will, and but I want the people that actually voted. They do. I want photo proof. There is one person that says, um, uh, "Let's see." Somebody was talking about how they were eating some food with with chopsticks in the past, and I think it was like Doritos or something like that. 
Uh, but it's in the comment section. You can go over to Majorspoilers.com and check that out. But uh, yeah, I've, I've provided photo proof of me I with did. My, my chopsticks. I and saw that. Papers. I saw that. Uh, I think we actually have chopsticks at the house. So I'll just go on a mad chopstick eating spree and there's a show somewhat, you everything. I there's eat. also something I was just, you know, I had sat down uh, the other night and I was doing this, I think the same day that I took this picture, just holding the bowl in my hand and using my chopsticks and, and eating. And there was something almost very zen-like because you were concentrating, not concentrating mm-hmm. on right. on grabbing it. So I don't know. It's just weird. So I, anyway. I do recommend the uh, jalapeno popper flavored cheesy puffs, though. Yeah, whatever it is. I mean, it's anything that Those has that that has that 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 powder on it. Try it out yeah, with something Zach, like that. You need to try these, Zach, because it's got they the orange good. powder for cheese and the green powder that has um, like. I think Cheetos. Yeah. I think Cheetos has this flaming hot jalapeno. That's uh, don't eat the flaming hot. No, they're flaming bad hot, for you. They'll just burn. Your they'll face kill off. you. The jalapeno ones though are pretty good. Mm. Jalapeno poppers, and I don't know who makes them. I think they're well. I live in the same city as the Frito Lay plant, so they could be from anywhere. I. I think we've stumbled on a qu- question of the week sometime in the future because uh, you keep talking about these poofs. I don't like the Cheeto puffs. Give oh, me I don't like the like puffs. The I like the crunchy. But that's what you're talking about. Is no, the I'm talking puffs. about anything. I'm talking about anything that has the oh, okay. battery stuff. So no, the, it's puffs, the, the balls, puffy. the crunchies, the... Yeah, but see, I, you, you're talking about those balls and stuff. It's like, those are not good. I don't think I. Oh no, they're not. The good. crunchy ones are where like, you gotta go. It's like eating packing material. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> so we're on agreement that they suck, but yes. you just decide to eat them in an yes, interesting but if you, way. If you put them in front of me <laughs> and I am bored, I will want to eat them, and I want to be clean while I eat them. Fried corn matrices, whether crunchy or poofy, are good, Zach. But the poofy ones are actually better because you have that thing where you bite into. Yeah, them it's extruded like out a little bit more. They just sort of dissolve in your mouth and you get that mouthful and you get a you get like a mouthful of cheese balls right then you take a sip of milk and you get like cheese milk kind no. of pervasing all no. No, everything you just said makes me sick want to thank uh, tweaked audio for uh, <laughs> allowing you to hear this uh, wonderful conversation that we've had about the major spoilers poll of the week tweaked audio has uh, some great great in-ear audio listening devices a lot of different styles a lot of different colors they're, they've got the optional microphone, which is my preference. Mm-hmm. And that way, when you're driving down the highway, someone calls you, you've got the one earbud in, you can just instantly answer and talk to them. Designed for great music, designed perfectly for talk. Engineered for durability, noise reduction design. Best of all, when you use the checkout code MAJOR at tweakedaudio.com, you get 33% off the price. Thank you, tweakedaudio.com, for sponsoring this episode of the Major Spoilers podcast. Rodrigo. Hey, man. Who killed Retro Girl? Oh, it was this guy. Just a guy, right? Yep. Nothing <laughs> special about him. Well, we'll see you next time. <laughs> no, other, other than he kind of looked like John Lennon. No. That's what I thought, yes. too. That was very weird. Uh, so this week, we're taking a look at Powers Who Killed Retro Girl by Brian Michael Bendis and, Bindis and uh, Michael Avon Oming. <laughs> Uh, what's interesting about this and why we pulled it out is because uh, PlayStation Sony has a brand new series on the PlayStation Network based on this Power series. And what was weird was the first three episodes launched uh, last week. The first one's online for free. You can find it on the I think it's PS4 on YouTube and they have some other places uh, on their channel. Uh, but I was watching the show and going, oh, yeah, I know that character and that character and all these characters sound very familiar, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, wow, this seems like a really great adaptation of the comic. Let me go back and take a look at who killed Retro Girl. And I'm like. This is nothing like the comic because Retro Girl's alive in the TV series. Um, but all of the characters that appear in this book appear in the TV series. Uh, 
mm. which is really, really weird. Um, so it's – and since Brian Michael Bendis and, and uh, Oming have had some um, control over this series, it makes sense that there is a um, – it's kind of like The Walking Dead, right? It's like everything's familiar in the TV series, but it's not necessarily a um, total remake of the comic books, especially mm-hmm. now. That's kind of the way Powers is too. It's a good mm-hmm. series. I like it a lot. It's got that guy from Chappie um, as the lead as playing Christian Walker. What's his name? Uh, Charto Charito Copley. Charito Copley. Uh, yes. It's not. Yeah, it's, Yo, it's not Copley. Yolanda's. No, it's not husband. Yolanda and Ninja. No, it's oh, not them. It's not Ninja. Um, Yolandi. So we know that it's just this guy who killed Retro Girl and and uh, put graffiti all over the wall. But the real Chaos. tale of Powers is learning about Christian Walker. Who's Christian Walker there, Zach? Can you he, give us a history on him? Uh, he's a detective uh, at a very special... Uh, where are they? Actually, they, were named they never the say city? that they the never city? named the city. Now, no. in, um, no, in the TV series, in, in the TV series, it's Los Angeles. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he's a detective at a crime place, and <laughs> he uh, has a very interesting relationship with all of the superhero-powered people uh, in their fair city. Mm-hmm. Uh, and through the course of this first arc, we find out that he was once himself a superhero that palled around uh, with all the powerful people. Yeah, had uh, he was known as Diamond. Yes. He dated Retro Girl yes. and has a relationship with uh, uh, some of the other characters as well. But unfortunately, he is no longer powered. Why? We don't know. I know, but I'm not telling that doesn't come out in this in this series. No, no that's in a that's in a later issue. Also, the, the nature of his relationship with Zora, who we yeah. briefly in this issue. Who, who is Zora, and what's the relationship there, Matthew? Uh, Zora is another one of the superheroes, and unlike Retro Girl, she's not dead, and unlike uh, Christian, she's not depowered. Uh, Zora pops up about halfway through this to make everybody think that maybe Christian Walker is a superhero pretending not to have powers, mm-hmm. to the point where his partner kicks him in the gut. To prove whether or not he's in yeah, yeah. and he's like, "What the hell, man? What the hell?" So who I is? So, so tell us about Dina Pilgrim, then, Matthew. That's that's uh, Christian's partner in this in this series. Yes, Dina Pilgrim is a weird, weird cop. Uh, she's a young police officer. She's very successful, and apparently went out of her way to ask to be Christian Walker's partner because things happen with Christian Walker. And she wants to be weird. Now, sadly, having read a lot of powers, I can tell you that she eventually comes to regret that. But yeah, yeah. This this story is really probably the best of powers for me because they're getting to know each other, mm-hmm. and they're having that moments where it seems like she's an intrusive jerk, and then it seems like he's a standoffish dick, and then it keeps switching back, and it turns out that they're both just guys trying to do their job and get through life. But Dina is probably what you call the, the point of view character, here, mm-hmm. the one who's learning all the things about Walker and about the fifth precinct. Yeah. And here's the interesting thing too, is that in this series, there's these assumptions that Christian was maybe, or maybe is someone who has powers, right? But nobody knows about his past until Dina uh, uncovers it. And then of course that makes Christian very angry. Mm-hmm. This is really a contrast to the way the TV series goes, because in the TV series, uh, Christian Walker, when he loses his powers, is very out in public that he used to be a power, and everybody knows that he used to be a power, including Dina. So there's no, 
hey, I used to be this, you know, uh, I've got this uh, secret identity thing. It's out in the open and becomes a kind of a big conflict in a lot of places uh, in the series. Now, three episodes, four episodes have been released. I've seen the first three. The fourth one released today, and today I was too busy doing taxes to uh, <laughs> sit down and watch it. Um, but I think that that's a very interesting flip between what this story is keeping Walker's uh, past a secret and in the TV series, it's very out and open and public, which is I don't know if that works or not. Uh, what do you guys think? What 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 would be better that Dina comes in knowing that her partner was a super or learning about his history by by being a detective and digging into his personal stuff? I think it's it's an adaptational necessity, because if you come into a comic, you are kind of the omniscient person. You see. Right everything and we see people thinking and we know what they're thinking whereas if you come into a television show first of all you don't have the the natural expectation as terrible as it is that it's probably a superhero comic Mm -hmm. because when you come into a comic book you when a superhero pops up it's neither unusual nor noteworthy it's like oh this is a police procedural yes in in the dc universe basically right when they make it a tv show you're on the, the, the police procedurals ground. So the police procedural part isn't special. It's the superhero part that's special. Mm-hmm. So that's what you emphasize. This is a police procedural with superheroes, and that is a superhero police procedural. One of the things that I liked about this series when I first got a hold of it, and I probably didn't get a hold of it until after the first collected trade. I think it may not have been until it moved over to Marvel or was a regular at Marvel. Uh, that I got that I got the uh, first trait. But what I liked about it, it was that police procedural, which I've talked before that I, I kind of like that kind of storytelling technique, especially if you're sitting it in this superhero universe where you have this godlike tier, then you have the citizens and then kind of stuck there in the middle somewhere are the police trying to do their job. I loved Gotham City uh, PD, uh, Gotham Central. I love that series. I've started to like the television series Gotham because it's kind of played off of that. And I really like powers because of, of the approach of let's go investigate and deal with superhero crime, not necessarily the cleanup crew, but people who have to go and investigate or arrest superheroes or villains whenever they do something horrible. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's really kind of interesting in this book, but it's really different in the TV series. So for example, there's this young girl at the very beginning of the book that uh, Callista, I think, is her name, that uh, uh, Walker gets called for this kind of hostage situation kind of thing. And then he's kind of stuck with this girl for about two or three issues uh, in the book. Callista is the main is not the main character, but she is one of the main characters in powers. She's much older. She's at least 18, mm-hmm. um, kind of runaway type of girl who wants to develop powers of her own. And she's doing all of these unpleasant things to try to gain the powers. And she has witnessed the murder of omnipresent man. I forget what the gladiator, I forget what the name of one of the heroes is, but he dies and she was the, the witness for it. And she's kind of a runaway and Walker and Pilgrim are trying to track her down and she gets involved with Retro Girl, and Retro Girl is trying to protect her, and she's got this huge fascination with everything Retro Girl. It's uh, it's a di- really totally different take on the character. Hmm. Um, but at the end of the book, so the, okay, so the other thing that's interesting in the TV in the uh, book is that they have found a way to nullify superhero powers. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's how you arrest people. You put them under this green light, right? Right, Rodrigo. 
Uh, oh, is that the what? Yeah, that that's what all the green light, light is. It, it's the oh, nullifier. It's the power sapper. I just thought it was moody. I, yeah. didn't, I never got that. <laughs> oh, okay. Is is that kind of a cool twist to be able to find out a way to nullify anybody's powers? No, no, no. no. People have been shooting zappers and nullifying each other's powers since powers were invented in comic books. Superman comes with his own nullifier. Oh, yeah, he does with with kryptonite. But, I mean, it's not something that works on every supervillain. So, you know, if you want to arrest somebody, you have to take them down. But then if you're putting in the interrogation room or in jail, you can't have someone with a 10th level intellect and a, you know, 500 level (laughs) power strength uh, busting out of jail every couple of days. Well, it's it's the equivalent of Star Trek's transporter. Mm-hmm. They couldn't afford to land the ship. <laughs> right, they right, built right. the transporter for yeah, story yeah. purposes. Yep. The the sapper exists specifically so they can take a uh, like a scumbag like Johnny Royale that we mm-hmm. see in this issue who could teleport away at will, and it keeps him there. It puts him on the level of you know Skell in their in their holding cell. Mm-hmm. He's got no powers. He's just another schmuck. It's very necessary to this conceit if we presume that none of the the police officers are actually powers, mm-hmm. that they have some way to deal with the powers who wants to go flippity-bibbity. It's interesting because in the TV series, the uh, nullifier has not been invented yet. Mm. But the, uh, the guy that shows up at the end of the, uh, of the issue, of the end of this trade, Warhammer or whatever his name is that blows up the bad guy. Trip Hammer. Trip Hammer. Yeah. He's he's actually kind of a cyborg type character in the TV show who is trying to invent the nullifier. And he goes into prison and is basically telling these villains, hey, come at me and you will get uh, kind of a pardon if you survive this test that we do. (laughs) And uh, so far, no one has survived the test of what happens when you turn the nullifier on. So it is a little graphic. Now, there's some bad language in in this series, in the uh, TV series. There is a lot of violence. From what I remember, I don't remember seeing any, you know, graphic nudity. There is some sexual situations and some sexual innuendo, uh, but nothing graphic on that side. So that's kind of a plus. Um, what worked in this story that that uh, that we've read? Who killed Retro Girl? What works for you, Rodrigo? I think the strongest part of it is the. Um, kind of budding relationship between the two main characters. Mm-hmm. Um, that's very strong to begin with. It's it's got some uh, like it's got a, a, this great moment, which you actually see in a lot of stuff. But um, it's played well, where it's like, okay, I have a secret, and then the other person like figures out the secret, and then mm-hmm. it's like, well, why you figure out my secret? And it's like, well, I'm a detective. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's my job is to figure out secrets. <laughs> what is the uh, what's the best part for you, uh, Matthew? Ah, uh, the dialogue. The dialogue is what hooked me on this because mm-hmm. there, you know, in even in two thousand, there was more than one option to go and read a police story with superhero elements. Right, but there's a moment where. Dina has basically betrayed Walker's trust. He's so mad at her. They're standing on a roof and they're arguing. And she's like, look, I'm sorry. Okay. But, you know, I wanted to be here and I'm here and I wear these little belly shirts all the time, which has got to do something for you. And then he kind of chuckles and she's like, yay, we're friends again. It's the dialogue and the pacing and the interaction of these characters 
is Bendis at his best and Powers at the very best. This is the best Powers there is. Yeah, yeah. This, as far as I'm concerned. And you have to remember that this is, I guess I want to say Bendis, uh, not early in his career, but midway so far into his into the stuff that he's been working on, I guess, right? I mean, he had done some Marvel Knights stuff. He'd done some Marvel Knights. He had done his independent work. And mm-hmm. I mean, this was just either about the same time or shortly. Yeah, shortly after, after. Mm-hmm. Ultimate Spider-Man yeah. kicked off. Yeah, it was so actually this, just I mean, a few months. Is... It was actually a few months later. Uh, Ultimate Spider-Man debuted in April of 2000. Powers debuted in October of 2000. So, I mean, this is really Bendis and, and aiming kicking butt together. Yeah. yeah. And, the, and I was going to say, yeah. that's that's what I like about this. And for people to keep in mind, because a lot of times people joke about the, the way Bendis approaches dialogue and storytelling. I think it works here. And this is kind of Bendis. Proto proto Bendis almost. I mean, it's really good dialogue and it's really good back and forth. And it and it works really, really well. And this is this is just really early stuff before it got too heavily bogged down. Uh, but and that's how I got into Powers was I was reading Ultimate Spider-Man. It's like, well, I want to read more about this guy and found out he did this series Powers and there was a trade. And so I picked it up and and just uh, fell in love with with this with this for story. I thought it was really well written and the art was great, too. Yeah. Zach, what did, what did you like about this story? I really enjoyed the like the subtle world building mm-hmm. they did uh, in these issues. Mainly, it happened with the autopsy. Yes, with the doctors. Like, guys, I have we don't know what these people are. We don't know what they're made of. I dissect these things and orangutans with machine guns yeah. or laser swords <laughs> yeah. or whatever they have. He has a blowtorch trying to cut Power Girl open. Um, like that was really interesting because it's like we don't know what is happening, mm-hmm. we don't know how people are like this, mm-hmm. but they just are. And then, oh darn it, what was the girl with the spinning things all around her? Zora. His Zora. Uh, when they do her little bit on the talk show, trying to figure out like wh- uh, where her powers came from, mm-hmm. uh, her explanation of, uh, I realized there was no god, so like I am my own god. And then I got all these powers. Just that weird, like, there's no weird cosmic event or, yeah. yeah. yeah well, yeah, there's a whole, like, like uh, uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, element to it. Uh, but then just the idea of there's no meteor passing overhead mm-hmm. or giving these people powers or they're mm-hmm. going through radiation. It's just these weird happenstance things yeah. that they just come to the being um, by themselves. Just, I thought that was really interesting. In the in the TV series, and I won't go into it, but it, it's sexual in nature. Um, you can transfer temporarily, or you can get powers temporarily from someone who has powers. Yeah, that's that's later in the book as well. Yeah, yeah, uh, and it's uh, it's the big plot point in in the TV series. Um, oh, that seems sexual. It's very very sexual, <laughs> very sexual. And uh, so that brings us to the question of: Oh, did you guys like? The uh, speaking of world build, building, did you like the news commentary that ran basically down so that, like, the bottom half of the? I think it was like two issues or so. Uh, they used that a lot. Yeah, I uh, thought that was used really well, especially uh, as use as we are now to the twenty four hour news cycle. Mm-hmm. Like that totally yeah. makes sense. It makes one hundred percent sense that that would happen, and they use it just so well. Do you like it, Rodrigo? Did it work for you? Yeah, I thought it worked. It's a good way to uh, 
generate exposition without having to have a character explain it to you. And you and if you don't want to read it, you don't have to read it, although it makes the story make a lot more sense in the relationships between right. everybody if you do yeah. read it. What didn't you like, Rodrigo? What didn't I like? I, I didn't. It's not that I didn't like anything about it. It's just that this was kind of like super blah for me. Mm, how come? Uh, well, a uh, detective thing where a superhero dies and you got to figure out who did it. We've I, I've seen plenty of that before. And like, I don't know, I can think of like a handful of places where I've seen it done a lot better. I didn't particularly connect to any of the characters. Um, I wasn't crazy about the art, uh, but that's kind of a different thing. Um, you know, I see a lot of Watchmen. I see a lot of Dark Knight Returns. I see a lot of mm-hmm. uh, a lot of stuff in here, and all of like this doesn't give us anything new on those themes. It really seemed to me it's just kind of like cutting together things that worked for other things. Um, I just was I, I was just like throughout it, kind of generally unimpressed by it. So the Power series actually predates Gotham Central. Mm-hmm. Um, by two years. So when we talk, and I don't know, I mean, it seems like there are more procedural type comics that have come out um, after Powers, after Gotham Central. And so I, d- I wonder if that is influencing you in some way, Rodrigo, because you say you've uh, read other series that have done better and maybe, you know, Powers kicks it off. Other people say, oh, yeah, this can work and let's improve upon that. Do you think that that is possibly a case? Because that does happen. Oh, I don't think so. Other than okay. maybe Chew. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, that might be a case where I'm like, well, here's somebody who's doing this, except it's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, other than that, no, I mean, it's mostly the stuff that I I feel this draws from, where it's like, there are a lot more... Okay, so... the. What is happening in this comic? The main character is trying to figure out who killed Retro Girl, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, you're finding out stuff about the world. It's a big exposition thing. I get that. That's cool. Also, not terribly interested in the world either, which might be a problem. But um, so how does he figure it out? Or how do, does this detective team figure it out? They don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they miss a clue. A little magic girl tells them, and then even if they hadn't, even if the magic girl hadn't told them, the guy just fizzes up in the end. So it's like <laughs> yep. they literally had nothing to do. <laughs> they could have just sat uh, across their desk from each other, throwing uh, cheesy poofs into each other's mouths for two days. And then the guy would have shown up anyway, and we would have gotten everything, exactly everything that happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, without them, the main characters having to do anything. Mm-hmm. Valid, Matthew. What about you? Is what don't you like about this? The same thing that I like about it. I don't like about it. Um, there's a point where they, our main characters, are kind of doing their thing and they're kind of yelling at each other. Mm-hmm. And then Detective Cutter comes in and everybody yells at Cutter. And then the captain comes in and the captain yells at everybody and Cutter. When when it gets to the points that things are supposed to happen, it kind of gets bogged down in the dialogue and the interpersonal. Yeah, yeah. And Rodrigo nails it. I mean, they don't solve the crime. The criminal shows up and basically confesses. And then to make things worse, they don't even get to no, arrest, they get the arrest him. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Because Trip Hammer co- show. Oh, by the way, spoilers. Trip Hammer shows up, and Trip Hammer just kind of blows him out of the water. I yeah, mean, it's. 
it's really a story about how police in a world full of superheroes are damn near useless. Yeah, are, are really ineffective. And I think that's kind of the uh, somewhat the appeal, but also, uh, as you guys have pointed out, somewhat the, the disadvantage in this story. I, you know, as much as I like the dialogue in this, to me, that's also the problem in this in this book is that it is Binda starting to crank up and really stretch how many word balloons can I get mm-hmm. on the page. And um, at times it becomes a little bit overwhelming. And then also I forget one of you had mentioned already about some dark Knight returns uh, influence, especially with the TV bits, because that was a big running bit in the dark Knight returns. And I was kind of a little bit disappointed in that um, Avon's art is good in small doses. Um, yeah, this is, this is weird. I, I hadn't realized how much his art has evolved. Mm-hmm. Since yep. 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 Uh, fans of Oming's work, though, will see it pop up in the TV series. So that's mm-hmm. good. Also, Dina Pilgrim in the TV series is uh, is African-American. So that uh, is probably a good good thing, too. Zach, what didn't you like about this book? Uh, yeah, kind of what the, everyone else said. The ending felt. I mean, it, it was inter- to me, it was it was interesting on some level of of just the dynamic of the superhero police relationships and what the heroes uh think of other like other people they surround themselves with but it did feel kind of cheap like we spent this whole time trying to find this person and we found him and then he's just burned up into a pile of ash uh in two seconds it seemed odd it just uh, on some level it is the the thing to break up the the ending you would expect. Mm-hmm. They got the guy, he goes to jail. Mm-hmm. Hopefully right. he doesn't break out in two arcs. Yeah, and yeah. Have this all over again. The next arc, yeah. Uh, but that's one of the things you can see when people try to break up a cliche. It's like it feels off in some way, and it's because it's not the story we're kind of used to getting. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it works in on. I don't know. I it was just very sudden and like what the heck. Yeah, it yeah. just happened. That was the only really thing I had negative to say about Powers. I really enjoyed this first volume. The character Wolf is, I mean, he pops up a couple of times in in this uh, arc, in this volume. And he's kind of played off as, I mean, we kind of learn about the relationship, but we know he's in jail. In the TV series, he is almost the ultimate of evil that you don't want to, to see escape. Mm. So kind of keep that in mind. And again, Everything that's you're telling me makes stuff, me not want to watch. This. Well, because it's stuff that happens way further down in the in the uh, in the power storyline, right? I mean, the whole Powers Walker thing. Um, that's kind of what made me stop reading Powers for a long time. Was their big battle? Uh, but the series is is good. I I think it needs just a little bit more polish for some reason. I don't know what it is, but it just feels like it's got a, needs a little bit more polish. Now I've seen some, some comments on social media of people who have watched the fourth uh, episode and they say it is far, far better than the first three. Huh? So I uh, will give it that. If you've got the PlayStation plus uh, subscription, you automatically get this. You're not paying any extra for it. The first episode of powers is free. Uh, online for you to go check out and then um, i'm gonna bet at some point sony releases the entire series in one collection that you can buy through other hulu netflix itunes type things as far as this trade goes 
I think it's worth checking out. What about you, Zach? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think this is totally worth checking out, especially if you've liked police things in mm-hmm. the past. I think mm-hmm. this is absolutely worth your time. Rodrigo? Eh. Check it. So uh, buy it, check it out from the library, or skip it? I would skip it unless you are really curious about this new thing on PlayStation Network. And then it's not even going to be anything close. Yeah. <laughs> Matthew, what about you? I'd go check it out, but be aware that as terrible as this sounds, this is the best the series ever ever gets. Yeah, they they did this. So, I think you and I have talked about this before. There's this whole like 12 issue thing where it's like 10 issues are just Walker as a caveman stumbling around in ancient ancient see, times. And I'm just like, ugh. I kind of like that stuff. But yeah, there gets a point and Powers has been around for 15 years. They've had yeah. a couple of restarts for lack mm-hmm. of a better word mm-hmm. and you you get to a point where it's like wait we're doing this again yeah we're, we're back to square one and i understand why they do it certainly for you know for dramatic purposes but yeah there's there's kind of a progression and when you get to the point where as we said the the narrative kind of subverts itself by not giving you the ending you expect mm-hmm. that happens with the overarching narrative too it does make some really great choices down the line, and it makes some terrible ones as well. I'd say check it out, but I might check it out from the library before you go buying it all. You make sure you like it, yeah. Because you could you could be a Rodrigo, and there's nothing wrong with being a Rodrigo. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing wrong with not liking something. That's fine. Uh, if you Unless are, it's me. At which point you're just mean. If you are someone who is looking to buy this in a collected form, you can get it in digital format over at Comicsology or. If you want to uh, buy this trade paperback and you want to help Major Spoilers out, you can also get it from Amazon using that link over at Majorspoilers.com. There's an Amazon button. You click on that. takes you over to Amazon. Everything that you buy through that link over at Majorspoilers.com, everything, no matter if it's a computer part or a little uh, notebook or a comic book like Powers, a little bit gets filtered back our way and allows us to keep doing the things that we do week after week after week. That wraps it up for this issue. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of the Major Spoilers experience. We're going to be back next week. Why? Because we know that you love comics. We do, too. We will talk with you soon. Fat the X-ray vision of a Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the ons. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler, what a major spoiler. If I'm Stark Raven, it's like a man of iron. Might not be surprised to find that I might actually have the heart cold to follow an entire storyline. Would I really even need to read upon all those escapades? I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Being shot up in a fine in the Middle East with a king Santo and
soldier. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler. Wow, 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 wow. What a major spoiler. This podcast is copyright 2015 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.